once knew these two guys. Each, in their own way, had had it all. And blew it. Left with broken brains and battered bravery, having to find parts of themselves they had seen in film and cinema. But who were they anymore? If they were going to do this, it needed to be the most thorough search for identity ever undertaken. Welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast with your hosts, Ben Groves and Rob McFarland. This episode contains spoilers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast. My name is Ben Groves. And my name is Rob McFarlane. Welcome to our weekly mental health check-in with our best mate that we have disguised cleverly as a movie podcast. Thinly veiled disguise. Thinly veiled. Thinly veiled disguise. But we both enjoy movies. They're a place that uh, we can escape to, and they're a place we can find comfort in. And through our many ups and downs and downs and downs and downs of mental health, uh, Mm. movies have been there. So... We are covering a movie this week, but before I get to what we're doing, Ben, mm-hmm. let's ask the age-old question, the reason we're actually here. Yes. How are you doing? <sighs> right. Ooh, I'm keeping that pause in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a pregnant pause. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, mate. So, all right, hear me out. Been having a rough right. few weeks, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So, first off the bat, I got a little heated last episode in National Treasure. You were excitable. So, uh, you were excitable. I was excitable. I was, I was very caught up on the logic. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was a bit yelly. So apologies for that. Dude, honestly, once I edited those 50 minutes out, it was fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just under an hour. It was all good. Mate, don't give me a soapbox when, I, when my life is on fire. <laughs> all right? Because rather than putting my life out, I will rant about everything that is wrong. <laughs> but it was a good thing, I think. Uh, you know, like sometimes life throws this rough shit at you and, yeah. and you just have to deal with it. And rather than mask anything about like how I was feeling or try and pretend to be anything mm-hmm. than I am, the podcast that we're doing, it kind of holds me accountable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Holds me accountable to myself. It holds me accountable to you. Yep. Like dearest Rob. And it also holds me accountable to you, the listener. So the weekly, the weekly check-in, the weekly episode, the weekly everything goes forward. And it's nice to have a break mm-hmm. <laughs> when everything is on fire and crumbling. It's yeah. nice to have that one moment. Unfortunately, I took that one moment and ran it into I don't understand anything, town. <laughs> and then Yeah, but look, dude, lived sometimes <laughs> life punches you in the mouth and you swallow a bunch of your own teeth. Yeah. And that shit's always gonna be painful because it's just enamel shards. Mm. But we get to do it weekly, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, to answer your question, my life's on fire. <laughs> I'm still there. Uh, I'm fighting the fires little bit by little bit. It's getting better. It is, yeah. I got bitten by nine separate horseflies whilst doing <laughs> or, the garden. Or one particularly prejudiced horsefly. Or one, just one. I pissed one horsefly off nine <laughs> times, apparently. Now, I did loads of yard work in, the, right. uh, in my shorts because I right. thought I was going for like a bit of a safari thing. I'm having some weird days, man. I've got <laughs> shorts that kind of make me feel like I'm on a safari. I right, went with okay. it. Went out and did some yard work. Covered covered in horsefly bites mm-hmm. and now i'm just an itchy mess who's whinging about everything steve erlews yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but how are you buddy 
Uh, I'm good, man. I, I'm I'm fighting off a lurgy at the moment. So I I said to somebody earlier, I'm just like a big jar of goo, and the second I tip slightly off vertical, stuff yeah. just pours out. Um, a customer came up to me and asked about my tattoo. Okay, uh, I got a new tattoo. Apparently, I don't. I've got a burn on my arm, oh. <laughs> which has got this big red oval with with a blister in the middle. And this customer, bless them, thought that I had chosen as a chef yeah. to get a tattoo of a Scotch egg. And incredible. I just wanted to say on the record, on air, Ben. Yeah. If my day job ever means so much to me that I get a tattoo. Yeah. One day it may. Okay. It can't be a Scotch egg. I just need I need this put on record. Yeah. Please never let me be a guy who gets a Scotch fucking egg tattooed on him. All right. Rob, I'm not going to lie to you. My next tattoo is going <laughs> to be a Scotch egg with your name written around it. And then that's good. That's just it. It's going to be a, a Scotch egg cut in half. I'm going to get it on my arm. I'm going to get it near my elbow here. with my face running out of the center. <laughs> it's just going to have, it's just going to be a semi decent sized Scotch egg cut in half. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to say Rob. <laughs> it's gonna be mint I, that's the best tattoo idea i've ever heard in my entire life one thousand percent that's happening a thousand percent jesus christ that no dude honestly they're a fucking pain in the ass to make we've got we sell a fair few of them we've got to be careful they don't go out of date because obviously if you leave them unattended in the warm they turn into a scottish person oh i so thought like, you were gonna say commit hate crimes but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> Just come back to the kitchen on fire and it's like which one of you cunty little eggs have committed the arson <laughs> it's a newborn scotchman just drinking buckfast going Rah! <laughs> 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 on that note what buckfast, are we covering <laughs> on that note what are we covering bud buddy we are back into our neil blomkamp series Episode two of our neil blomkamp series and we're going to be doing elysium neil's sophomore film Ooh. Released in 2013. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Starring Matt Damon, Charlotte Copley. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's got a cracking cast. This film had a budget mm. of $115 million. So this is kind of Neil's that it? first slice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his first slice of Hollywood money, but it's still not massive Hollywood money. It's a sliver. Right. So you remember in our Nolan series, yeah. when Nolan gets given... Insomnia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hollywood's given him the cash, but it's not Inception cash yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Right? It's not Interstellar cash. It's just, here's a Hollywood cast yeah. and a mid-sized budget. Do what you can. Yeah. And he handled it all right. It made $286 million in box office. So it broke nice. even and then made a profit. Good shit. Um, critically didn't do as well as something like Insomnia. Yeah. But I think it's it's interesting. It's it's a difficult second film. We've done see this is why I wanted to do this series, right? We've seen his films in passing in various stages of our lives, right? Yeah. But what we've been doing for the last few series is is running with a director. We did Jeff Boehner. Mm-hmm. I, I picked Jeff Boehner because I liked a couple of his movies, right? Yeah. But sitting and going through the movies back to back to back to life back. after Beth, life Joshy, after Beth, horse girl. girl, great films, man. Great series. Go check it out. Go listen to it. Listener. It's incredible. But Jeff Boehner, the stuff that becomes apparent from just being, Oh, I like that guy's movies to you start picking up mm-hmm. on the little, the little tricks that they use and the, the little, little idiosyncrasies, yeah. cards. idiosyncrasies is the word I was thinking of. Thank you. Mm. It's their, their little personality. And I want to do it with Blomkamp because he's done such yeah. Yeah, yeah, varied yeah. films <laughs> from district nine to Gran, Tur- 
Gran Turismo? Yeah. Gran Torino? Gran Turismo. Gran Torino is racist Clint Eastwood. Gran Torino is racist Clint Eastwood. He yeah. hates the Asians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Gran Turismo, which is the racing card, like yes. video game movie, right? Both both race films. <laughs> both play the race card. <laughs> <laughs> This is uh, this is Neil Blomkamp's second film, man. It's it's one Ben and I violently disagree on, uh, but I think we're going to use that as a tool to explore ourselves and yeah. the world of cinema. And it's all going to be very chin strokey, but also quite fun. Before we do, quick spoiler warning: uh, if you've not heard our show before, not everyone is planning to see this film. Some of you have seen it, but not in a in a long while. So we like mm-hmm. to do like a little potted breakdown, so that those of you that haven't seen it in ten years or so since it came out, remember what's up. And those of you not planning to see it know, uh, you know what, what we're, we're talking, talking about, about later in the episode. Mm. If you haven't seen this but are planning to, big old spoiler warning. But that said, Ben, start the breakdown. You ready Green for the box. breakdown? I've not Green read box. this yet. Again, I quite like this. <laughs> I quite like the fact that you're giving me breakdowns that I've just not read. I love it. It's my favorite thing. In the year 2154, Earth is a grim and desolate place. The wealthy elite have abandoned the planet for Elysium, a pristine space station orbiting above Earth. Elysium boasts advanced technology, magic boxes that heal everything, and a perfect environment, while Earth's inhabitants live in poverty and squalor that for some reason looks like a racist idea of Mexico. <laughs> the story follows Max da Costa, played by Matt Damon. A former convict who now works in a Los Angeles factory that manufactures the robotic police force used on Earth. Max has a criminal record but is trying to live a reformed life and get to his hot date with an old friend from his childhood orphanage. I don't agree with that, but we'll come back to it. <laughs> Max's life takes a dramatic turn when he's exposed to a lethal dose of radiation at work, giving him only five days to live. Desperate to save himself, he learns about Elysium's advanced medical pods capable of curing any ailment, including radiation poisoning. This discovery fuels Max's determination to reach Elysium to heal himself and regain his life as a minimum wage line worker. <laughs> How's that for motivation? <laughs> Such a cock for this. <laughs> <laughs> to get to Elysium, Max seeks the help of Spider, a people trafficker and classical musical enthusiast. Mm. Spider agrees to help Max if he insists in stealing valuable information from the brain of a wealthy Elysium resident. Totally possible. John Carlyle, a.k.a. Max's old boss, whose immoral practices led to Max being stuck in the microwave. (laughs) This stolen information will provide Max with the means to access Elysium. Max agrees, and with Spider's assistance, he undergoes radical surgical procedures to attach a powerful exoskeleton to his very fucking skeleton, granting him with enhanced strength and agility. dope. Meanwhile, on Elysium, Secretary of Defense Delacorte, a.k.a. Space Trump, that's a great reference, Jodie Foster, (laughs) is frustrated with Earth's illegal immigration and lax border security. She conspires with mean boss Carlisle to launch a coup. I am the Duke. I am the Duke. That's a ref. Oh, cool! The card yeah. game. The- there we go. Got you. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's a great reference. I mean, we've got like two listeners that will get that. Yeah. We, you know exactly which two they are as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They own the cafe that the, yeah. that we go and play coup in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boardroom cafe. Looking at you. Fantastic. Uh, she conspires with Mean Boss Carlisle to launch a coup and take control of Elysium. Carlisle creates a program that can reboot Elysium's entire computer system effectively making him and Jodie Foster's space trump Delacorte the station's rulers. 
To ensure their plan's success, Delacour activates Kruger, Charlto Copley. Charlto fucking Copley, yeah. Charlto fucking Copley, a stinky homeless mercenary <laughs> with a history of brutality. When Max and Spider's team carry out the brain heist on Mean Boss Carlisle, they discover that the stolen data isn't just valuable, but the very program that can override Elysium's computer systems. During the heist, Max gets absolutely shit-mixed by Kruger, forcing him to seek medical help from Frey, his childhood friend Date, who is now a nurse caring for her terminally ill daughter. Max promises to help Frey's daughter, if he can, successfully complete the heist and reach Elysium. To save Frey and make it to Elysium, Max and his stolen brain data become key players in the power struggle between Elysium and Earth. As Max confronts the formidable adversary, Kruger, he must also confront the harsh realities of the world he lives in and the choices he must make to bring justice and equality to the desperate inhabitants of Earth. Frey and her ill daughter get kidnapped to be used as leverage. Kruger slices Delacorte Space Trump's throat with a shard of mirror and Max is the most moral, irradiated freedom fighter of all time. Which is why I call him Shay Noble. Uh, <laughs> he's got nice. he's got good ideals. He's a freedom fighter. He's quite radioactive. Nice. Shay Noble eventually sacrifices himself to ensure everyone on Earth is made a citizen of Elysium, thus ensuring everyone gets access to the magic medical boxes and McMansions it provides. <laughs> Spider the People Trafficker is unarrestable as a citizen, thus ensuring his freedom, and Max dies as he remembers the chat he once had with a nun at his orphanage. Credits. Beautiful. Now, Beautiful. I wrote the breakdown, so I took some liberties there. I know there's some stuff there's you disagree with. The friend date, a lot. for instance, you know, you oh, think it might be... It's so yeah, we'll, annoying. We'll get into it. We'll get into we it. We will. What I like about our disagreement on this film... Go on. ...is you and I are both mentally ill. We've both got sadness, madness, anxiety, issues of our own. Yeah. And so you and I are both familiar, and I'm sure listeners are familiar with a type of therapy called CBT. And no, that's not the kind of marijuana that doesn't get you high. That's CBD. Yes. Uh, CBT is the cognitive behavioral therapy which says that the circumstances that have triggered you or caused you to be upset or got you where you are, uh, they happen to lots of people. And those people don't react the way that you do. Uh, The reason you've had that reaction is because of the experiences and beliefs you hold. Yeah. And therefore, if I see a dog and I wet my pants in fear, it's not the dog that does that. It's my beliefs and experiences with dogs in the past. Yeah. And this sort of thing. So we've both experienced Elysium. We have. Neil Blomkamp's second film. We have. Uh, starring Matt Damon. And we've both had wildly different uh, reactions to it. And I think it's an interesting illustration of the differences between you and I, because... I think this film is like a shallow salad of Hollywood tropes. Okay. And this film made you cry. This film made me cry. A couple times, this film right. made me cry. How? So, straight off the bat, it's impossible for me to not relate heavily with Max. Right. So, Max is the guy that has, has fucked his life up beyond belief, right? Ex-con, working in a factory... A few times in prison, he's working a shitty job that he hates. He's trying to get his life back on track. He's trying to figure himself out. He's trying to fucking just just get by. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's trying to do it without reverting to his past ways that have obviously failed him before. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he he kind of dips a bit. He gets into an argument with a with a police officer. He gets his arm fucking snapped, turned into a stood on crunchy bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he goes through he goes through all this stuff, but it's his motivation that gets me, man. Right? It's his it's his motivation for why he's doing what he's doing and why he is where he is. Mm-hmm. Like he's admitting his mistakes, and he's like, "I have fucked up." Yep. I've made X, Y, and Z mistakes. Yep. I'm going to take them as lessons. And I'm going to mm-hmm. try and push myself forward with it. Which, I mean, this kind of... When I started therapy a uh, couple years ago, mm-hmm. it was exactly the point where I was at. Because I, I used to obviously like point the finger outside, you know what I mean? Oh, that yeah, wasn't yeah. on me. That was because of this situation. Oh, that wasn't yeah, on me. Yeah. But that was because of this person. When in actual yeah. fact, the main constant in all of this shit... That person wasn't willing to tolerate my bullshit and therefore that's exactly. on them. Exactly. Yeah, the main yeah. constant in all of it was me. You know what I mean? It just yeah, took me yeah. a while to get to the point where I'm like, yeah, it's my fault. It's if me. everywhere you go stinks to shit, check your own shoes. Check like, your own shoes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but his motivation in this is the most relatable thing that I've I've seen in film for a while because there, there is no obvious motivation. He's continuously swayed by outside sources. Right. So, obviously, initially... It's mm-hmm. his radiation poisoning. Fuck, I don't want to die, man. I don't want to die. I'm going to go and I'm going to get up to Elysium. I'm going to get I'm going to get fixed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what he encounters on his on his on his mission is people with bigger issues or mm-hmm. more immediate issues or longer lasting issues that ultimately mean more to them than he values himself, which is Heroin mm. and heartbreaking. So yeah, so he, he he gets microwaved at at work. He does. He gets told he's got five days left to live. He does. Uh, he goes to see Spider. Then yes. it introduces his whole uh, social allegory of you know the people trying to get into Elysium, uh, and that they're going to steal this brain data. And then when that heist goes wrong, he meets Frey's little girl, and that's the first time he's like, oh, there's other people who are also down here and sick and need help and. Well, that's the most immediate one that he can care about because it's it's the daughter of his of his childhood yeah. friend who he grew up with in the orphanage. Yes, which is Frey. He meets Matilda. Matilda has is late stage leukemia. She is dying. She keeps slipping in and out of comas. Mm-hmm. Um, Frey, who is a nurse, has managed to sort of keep Matilda in the hospital with her. Yep. Uh, so she's able to monitor while she works and all this stuff. It's great. There's a moment when Max meets. Matilda. And this is the yeah. second point that really got me. This is the second point where I was fucking like, I wasn't crying so mm. much. It was more uncontrollable sobbing. Mm. <laughs> right. Ugly because crying. F- it was it was ugly crying. It was yeah, ugly yeah. crying. It was a little kid who's just got a fucking Mr. Whippy ice cream and immediately drops it. <laughs> like that's the pain that I felt, right? Um first time I watched it, it was like, yeah, that's fine. It's it's fine. But I was in a different headspace back then. I was living a different yeah. life. I was a different person. Watching it this time through in this headspace with where I am right now broke me. Essentially, right. Matilda goes up to Max. Max has just had his arm snapped, so he's got bandages on his broken arm. Yeah. He's just had an exoskeletal <laughs> like robot suit drilled physically into his collarbone, spine, back of his head. Nervous system, everything. Yeah, just, yeah, everything yeah. is like nuts and bolted in. Yeah, yeah. He is screw fix direct. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Matilda goes up to him and she starts wrapping a bandage around his arm and she's like, I don't want you to be sick, which is 
sweet as fuck and the cutest yeah. thing that happens in this film because everything else is savage. <laughs> it's the cutest thing that happens. And uh, Max is getting a little bit impatient. He's like, fuck, I need to get out of here. I'm being hunted by, you know, the, the higher-ups at Elysium because I yeah, have yeah. this brain data that they're after. Yeah, yeah. If they find me here, they're going to kill you too as well. So he's desperate to get out and just yeah, yeah. fucking leave him in his dust and go go sort this shit out on his own. Matilda starts telling him a story. She's like, do you want to hear a story? And he's like, fine. Mm. She goes... Back in 1862, one of the founding fathers. <laughs> My granddad gave me a note that said, the secret lies with Charlotte. <laughs> I apologize. No, she tells the story. She tells the story of the meerkat and the hippo. Now, if you haven't seen this film, you're not going to be familiar with this story, so I'll make it quick. The story goes that the meerkat lives in the jungle, and mm. all the other animals are much bigger than the meerkat, so they can reach all the fruit and all the food on the trees, and they, they're all... Mm healthy they can get what they want and what they need and it's fine yeah. but the meerkat is struggling so what the meerkat decides to do is he makes friends with a hippo and right. now with this friendship the meerkat can stand on the back of the hippo and reach the fruit in the trees and he yep. can now get everything that he wants and needs mm. cute story yeah max's very valid point which is immediately where my my mind went to is mm. what's in it for the hippo this isn't going to end well for the meerkat. <laughs> and uh, Matilda turns around and says, the hippo is in it for the friendship. The hippo gets yeah. a friend that he so desperately wants. The yeah. meerkat gets the help up to reach the trees, which it so desperately needs. Yeah, yeah. And also the hippo gets gets good advice on home and car insurance yeah. anytime it needs to Jesus compare Christ, the Christ, that's yeah. a UK-only joke, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Staying in there, cunt. Yeah, fucking love it, man. Love it. <laughs> So, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Right. Because when watching this film, at times, Max is both the meerkat and the hippo. Yes. He is predominantly the meerkat, because obviously being radiated, he needs help mm. to get to Elysium, so he, he goes does, to Spider. Yeah. yeah. He Who's is, his hippo? Who's his hippo? He gets stabbed, he gets his arm snapped, he... Uh, he can't turn to anyone else, so he goes to Frey. So Frey yeah, becomes yeah. his hippo. But then he helps other people, and it's that it's that Does. reciprocal. Like Does. I help you, you help me, and we're all better because of it. Yeah, and just th just think about how simple that concept is of being the meerkat or being the hippo, helping someone and having someone help you. Mm -hmm. It's a super super simple thought to have, but to apply it, it is to your own personal life is fucking terrifying. Trust issues galore, <laughs> abandonment issues galore. Like, yeah. yes, I'm a fucking meerkat ninety five percent of the time. Mm -hmm. I need a fuck. I need a hippo. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. help. But at the same time, you're my hippo. You're my hippo as well, dude. You have no idea how much you hippo for me for my meerkat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, will. Yeah. I will forever. Likewise. I will forever try to be your hippo in the way that you are my hippo. But I will never be able to live up to it. Nah, man, you're my hippo. You're a hungry motherfucker, just like me. I am hungry. I haven't eaten yet, actually. I've got pineapple in the fridge. I'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> come back to that pineapple, but, you hungry, hungry hippo. Yeah. So the trust issues and the abandonment issues that lie there, it's 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 trusting that the hippo isn't just gonna fucking walk away from the tree. You're on the back. But did you ever think did you ever think at any point that Max is gonna get double crossed in this film? Uh okay. Me personally, mm. yes. Right, okay. I thought, that, I thought that the risk was always there because there are two separate coups going on. Yeah. 
the power struggle between everyone is present mm-hmm. at all times mm-hmm. and it's i think there's a very there's a very nuanced social struggle between every single character that we interact with and we get to know yeah yeah um so yeah for me it was so the whole thing with max is like I, it hit me hard because you can see in that moment that max is like i don't want to be the meerkat and i don't mm-hmm. understand what's in it for the hippo and yeah. it's almost I for me personally the fear and the guilt that I mm. harbor about makes being you that cynical too. Cat, yeah, it gives me the same fucking thing, and I can. It's very easy to be in that position okay. that Max is in now. Yeah, like and obviously watching how it plays out for Max, where he eventually does become the hippo and he finally yeah. gets it. That's much later in the film. It kind of inspires me to learn how to be a meerkat. Okay, whilst also. Whilst also being able to be a hippo, you know what I mean. It's 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 having the 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 courage to sort of say I'm a meerkat. I need a fucking I need a hippo. Help I mean me. that's incredible. <laughs> it's it's an incredible thing to take away. But I think it's an yeah. incredible thing to take away from this film. Yes, I saw I saw that I saw that sort of on screen. Mm-hmm. It didn't hit me like that. And I think it's a really insightful and moving takeaway. But it it seems to me like that that's your work. Not Blomkamp's. One hundred percent. And that's I think that's why this film left me cold because I watched the making of material mm-hmm. for this and there were just they showed some of the concept art and it was just frame after frame after frame of these incredible creations. Blomkamp was on top of the soundtrack, he was on top of the world building, he was on top of the production design, right? Incredible. And I think what he ended up doing was building this massive world where like every single detail was thought about and created. He had this perfect environment. Blomkamp's world building is is godly. A thousand percent. Godly. Untouchable. And someone turned around to him and said, what story do you want to tell? And he was like, <laughs> because for me, <laughs> they're like, Max's story is just changing and confused stakes, right? So we've got this guy who's trying to do better, but he lives a pretty squalid existence as a factory worker. And he gets microwaved and he's like, oh, I'm all soggy now. Um, <laughs> I need to get myself fixed. Yeah. So the first motivator we've got is we've got to get this guy back to his dog shit life. Or just grant him a life longer than right. the next five days. So let's get Max back to his dog yeah. shit life. And then on the way, he meets an ill little girl for like five minutes. And then it's like, oh, but care about this little girl as well. But it's and his, so it's the girl. It's Frey's the woman that he grew up with in the orphanage. It was Frey and Max forever. That totally, was who we've seen for one scene again when she turns him down for a date, right? Yeah, and then we date. It's a catch up. All right, fine, a catch up. We will fight about this. Fine. All right. So we're not even sure about what they're meeting up for. We don't even know. We're going to get Max back to his dog shit life for maybe mm-hmm. a date, maybe a catch up. Okay, I like that. Okay, I'm I'm on board with this. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a guy with a dog shit life that he wants to get yeah. back so he can yeah. have maybe a date, maybe a catch up. Okay, not yeah. the strongest stakes, but I'm going to try and care about that. And just yeah. as you're making me care about that, swap that out. It's now a little girl care about this little girl you've had one scene with her but care mm-hmm. about this little girl and then just when you're like okay that's the stakes they go ah oh, but actually the brain data is the society code and it will change it for everybody and now it's not about max it's not about the girl but it is mm-hmm. also about them but it's also about the world and i'm like what do you want me to care about neil <laughs> <laughs> like, because you've got this salad of like 2d elements you're trying to do all of these things yeah, yeah. And what you're doing is making me care about none of them because every time I try and focus on one, you swap it out for another one. It's right. like a sort of plot, find the lady. Do you know what I mean? Find okay. the lady, find the lady, go on. 
Yeah, yeah. Where's the queen? Where's the queen? I'm like, what am I? What is going on? And then that's in this world of sort of like every character suffers. The LA Mexicans are crime lords because, of course, the mm-hmm. rich are cunts because of don't breathe on me. But of course, the rich are cunts. Yeah. The lady friend is literally his lady friend. It might be a date. It might be a catch up. The mm-hmm. sick girl is likes hippos and meerkats. Yeah. He's got a friend. His mate is just his crime friend. That's, yeah. I've literally written in the notes, he's got a crime friend. Right? Yeah, Julio. And I think, yeah, Julio. And yeah, I yeah. think even with a copy of the script, you could ask the actor, what is Julio? And he'd go, oh, he's Max's crime friend. Okay. It's in order to fit this grand world that he spent most of the budget and most of his time making. Yeah. He's got this sort of salad going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I find it difficult to relate to anything because it's all so sketched. I love this. And I feel like you you could drop 30% of it and yeah. I would love this film because I'd actually care about what is there. Mate, this speaks volumes about me and you. So the reason that I love it is are the exact yeah. reasons that you hate it. <laughs> like the, the fact that his motivations are continuously switched out and the fact that he's trying to get back to this dog shit life, it just it <laughs> screams to me Mm. That he is so dead set on owning his past and living with it and dealing with it. And uh, if it means that he lives in squalor and it means that that's like his legitimate way out, mm. then he's going to fucking fight for it. He's not going to do a Mark Wahlberg and blind a guy and then go on to have a career as a glittering yeah, Hollywood he's not star. Gonna, he's yeah. not going to go and like fucking make, I don't know, Daddy's Home 2. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and remember, listener, anytime Mark Wahlberg is on screen, he took an old man's sight. But he's very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> he's with the cartoon bear. Ha ha ha. There's just there's lots of there's lots of this, you're right, that's very scattershot and mm-hmm. considering you're the one who's like the hyper focused autistic one and I'm the scatterbrained ADHD one. Yeah. I feel like we like this the wrong way around. I agree with you wholeheartedly because this whole film gives me like mm. uh like panic level anxiety at points because of how messy and scatterbrained it is. Right. But the thing is, is the way it resolves all those scatterbrained things yeah. is exactly the way every other Hollywood movie does. Ooh. Whereas where District 9, District 9 does rug pulls and District 9 gives you does. a protagonist who isn't a good does. guy and an antagonist who's kind of understandable. Like you understand the bureaucratic cruelty. They're just following the rules. Like it's kind not unreasonable. Extent, yeah. It's disgusting to watch, but you can see okay. how it happens. That's all a good this sort save. Of stuff, right? That's a good save. Yeah. Now I can agree with you fully. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's all these, there's all these uh, like gray areas and like non-binary characterizations and this sort of like moral grayness in, in district nine, right? Yeah. The guy that you're rooting for is objectively a prick. Yeah. In this, everyone is just, you're a bad guy. You're a good guy. And, and that, that's it. Really? And I don't think yeah. there is any of that. I know, obviously, I think the rich are painted out to be obviously like the bad guys, but I think we're viewing it through Max's eyes. Unrealistically, yeah, like, unrealistically stupid. so. I mean, to be fair, though, they are cunty. Look at Kruger, man. He's a dirty homeless man. He's like, I'm going to make you my wife. Or you make me want to settle down, baby. You make me oh. want to settle down. So he, Charles Copley is grim in that. But he's like, fucking disgusting in this film. And he's literally, I think one of the greatest things about this film is watching Charlotte Copley just undo any love that I had for, for Vickers van der Merwe because I'm like, oh shit, you can do, your range is enormous. You can play. Yeah, he campaigned for the role as well. 
Yeah, good. Because <laughs> he fucking deserved it. If he if he wanted that, mate, he owned that shit. He was disgusting yeah. in this film. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. What I'm gonna say is about the the resolution the like the resolution of this film. I think the plot resolves the way with, with the lone hero saving the world at the expense sure. of sacrificing himself for the greater good. Sure, it's very Hollywood. It's it's been overdone and stuff like that. Shay Noble. Yeah. yeah. But what <laughs> <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Noble. Um, <laughs> he he does that, and that does happen, and that's the plot resolved. But it's Sorry, focused. can you imagine if Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were just some pet turtles that got microwaved? <laughs> yeah, I imagine that that's what they are. <laughs> like in my brain, that's canon. <laughs> just Ever since I was a little kid. Sid from Toy Story got a pet. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, literally, when I was a little kid, it, the back of my mind, I was just sort of like, something horrible has happened to these animals. Yeah. That is why they're now nearly yeah, human yeah, yeah. and have to live <laughs> cast out of society forever. <laughs> That's Tim Burton's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Daddy put us in the microwave. Come <laughs> sing songs with us in our gothic castle. <laughs> <laughs> this is Turtle Town. This is Turtle Town. <laughs> it's just the ninjas doing like a moonwalk through the sewer, through a real <laughs> shitty plasticine sewer. Um... What the fuck was I saying? Oh yeah, so the ending. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the plot's resolved very Hollywood, very very Hollywood style. But it's the way that the way that Max's personal story wraps up, right? Mm. So very early on in the film, we see that he was raised in an orphanage, and a nun is trying to sort of embed a little bit of wisdom into into little boy Max by going, "Look, have you been out stealing again? Yeah, is it because you're trying to save up a ticket to get to Elysium?" Because in this society, yeah, yeah. in futuristic LA, Elysium is, there is no aging, there is mm-hmm. no disease, everything is curable. You've got the magic medical boxes, they can give you a new exactly. head. Exactly, everything is cured. That happens in the film, by the way. Someone gets a whole face. brand new fucking head from this box. Face, his brain is intact. That's why it works. Mm-hmm. Because they make, because that would be a massive plot hole. They make sure oh, to say would that, be. that his he brain would is be, fine. It? Yeah, he would be, which is why it's not. Yeah, he got <laughs> shot by a tank in the face, and it's fine. Magical moment. Anyway, uh, the ending. Ate a grenade. He ate a grenade. Mm-hmm. Shoot, shot with a tank. Come on. Sorry. Yeah. The Come nun on. told him that he was special. He's going to get to Elysium. So the nun is not saying, the nun. The horror movie. This has gone horribly off the top. I know. Every just let me fucking finish. <laughs> I me wanted to grow finish. up. Grow up to be a derailer. Dana. Dana. What song is that? Derailer by the Pixies. Got me a movie. I want, want you, to, you know. to know. Grow up to be. Be a derailer. Nice. Derailer. Okay. So the ending for Max <laughs> for the ninth fucking time <laughs> is wrapped up. Early on, the, the nun at the orphanage is trying to give him some wisdom. Mm-hmm. Don't be stealing. I know you're desperate to get up to Elysium. Obviously, Elysium is the place to be. It's where all the rich people are. It's where all the pretty people are. It's where there's no disease and there's no squalor. You will be... You're seeing this through rose-tinted glasses. You're seeing that as an end goal. That's your happiness. Why don't I have that? Why don't I deserve this? Mm -hmm. What she does is she gives him a locket and says, "Doesn't, doesn't Elysium look beautiful from where we are? And in the locket is a little picture of Earth, yeah. In the locket, it has a picture of Earth, and he's like, well, look how beautiful we look Mm. to Elysium. And it was like a little grass isn't always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You don't have to to run about stealing and affecting other people's lives in a negative way to benefit yourself. Again, beautiful. Beautiful. If that was in the film. But listen, you've written. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've extracted this from what's in the film. 
<laughs> yeah. But it's that's what makes it fun for me. You know what I mean? It's right. like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a paint by numbers, man. It's finishing someone's work for them and going, "Oh, this is great." Yeah, cuz it's 20% yours. I love this because it's it's I can interpret this in in my way. And yeah, you yeah. can interpret it in your way and we can mm. have this discussion about it because you're making me look at this film in a different way mm. from my rose-tinted glasses. At the moment, yeah, I'm yeah. little boy Max just rubbed a bakery <laughs> and I'm looking up at Elysium <laughs> and you're the nun yeah, going, yeah. shut the fuck up, it's wank. <laughs> 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 but at the end of the film, the, the whole plot's wrapped up, you know, very Hollywood, very, mm-hmm. very sort of like, soul man saves the human race. But for yeah, Max's yeah. personal story... It goes full circle and he realizes that the grass isn't greener on either side. It's not all about him. And his sole purpose is that he has the answer to free Medicare for Los Angeles. It's essentially the American health system's yes. fucked. Some yes. man needs to murder himself from brain data downloading yeah. <laughs> to make sure that Medicare's free. He's almost like radioactive Jesus. Kinda. Or like yeah. a teenage mutant ninja NHS. You know what I mean? <laughs> I okay, yeah. If you glue, if you add the glue that brings these disparate blocks together mm. and disregard the fact that there are bits in there that that actively work against the plot that he's trying to tell, right? So, yeah. Max has been irradiated horribly. He has. He's been in the microwave, he's got 5 days to live. Now, do you remember when we covered uh Blood and Gold, the Netflix Grindful Spatian film. Fucking right? love Blood and Gold. And we highlighted the fact that it's one of the lovely films where as more and more happens to the protagonist, mm. they get less capable. Oh, yeah, yeah. The more shipments they get. Yeah, exactly. The less capable of doing right. the shit. Like, <laughs> Max doesn't. They build this plot line of like, you are poisoned. Yeah. And they go, here are some magic pills that will keep you functional until the very last moment. Yes. So they kind of vaguely cover it. And then yeah. they give him the exoskeleton. But yes. in practice, what you see is this dying man get more and more superhuman as the plot goes on. And it robs the power from the dying aspect okay. and goes, I've got no frame of reference for how sick this guy is because he's currently yeah. fucking fighting a dude with an exoskeleton on a bridge, <laughs> making him eat grenades, like all this sort of stuff. Yeah. There's no deterioration <laughs> shown. So why have it be a deteriorating illness? Like there's simple things in the writing that you can you can do your own loops for, but that's not what a film of this budget should have to do. Jodie Foster's fucking accent in this film. Don't even don't even start with me, Jodie Foster in this film. She's a fucking national treasure. And with Nicolas Cage, 2004's National Treasure starring Nicolas Cage does not have <laughs> Jodie Foster in it. Much to its no. loss. But I'm <laughs> I'm hoping that the second National Treasure it is just a hunt to find Jodie Foster. <laughs> it's just Nicolas Cage violently tracking down those guys on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard who sell maps to the stars and he's just going and checking each one be like well this one says it's a different house jody foster where are you are you saying elysium is a star tour company in la yeah buddy yeah. if it's not that's a fucking mistrick that is a mistrick yeah there's a fun fact actually so jody foster has never died on screen before this film is that true this is the first film in jody foster's entire catalog where she dies on screen. No way. She's never done it before. And Shalto Copley, their first scene together was the scene where Shalto Copley kills her. <laughs> what an introduction. <laughs> the prop that they gave him yeah. was quite long yeah. and was just a plexiglass shard yeah. with a bit of green tape on the end that he had to stab her in the neck with from like some distance. Right. 
but he's never worked with her before and it's Jodie fucking Foster, right? Yeah, so he of keeps like pulling the pulling the hit and they're like, dude, like it's the fifteenth take. It just doesn't look real. Yeah. And he's terrified that he's just gonna like oh, stab her in the throat with this plexiglass thing. Who fucking wouldn't be? <laughs> Who wouldn't Can you be? imagine a super stressful day? Well, right, Shalto, mate. You're gonna have your top off, we're gonna give you this prop, and we need you to really stab like into Jodie Foster with this so yeah. that her skin moves but not too far so that you know you actually hurt her good luck yeah aim for the artery don't <laughs> puncture it see you yeah. in a bit and yeah. action use the force Shalto <laughs> that's what I'm saying man bro I would shit myself if that was me if they were just sort of like Hi, yeah. uh, so today we're going to be filming uh, Ben you have to stab Jodie Foster I'd be like I quit I quit yeah hire someone else I ain't happening. exactly I just think it's a, when you take away the lovely world Mm-hmm. the incredible set design, all the things that Blomkamp's good at, and look at the meat and bones of the script. For me, nothing happens where, I, where I'm where i surprised. Okay. I'm not like, oh, wow, that's a subversion of the genre. I'm like, oh, that's every action movie ever. Okay. He saves the day. The little girl gets cured. The villain dies. Yeah. Totalitarianism avoided. And the take-home message is, isn't inequality bad? Okay. Wouldn't it be great if we could just take all the money at the top and give it to everybody so we all had the same? And we're like, that's just a very, like, I, I can't disagree with it because it's just wet bread of a of a, of a script. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll agree to an extent. I'll agree to an extent. I think, coming from Neil Blomkamp, mm-hmm. he's witnessed ways of life that we're lucky enough to have never been exposed to. What, like in a late night edit? Yes. It's very rough. <laughs> it's very tough. You know what I mean? Those corner shop owners, they are hiking up mm. the prices of Red Bull. And it's, quite frankly, it's outrageous. 2 a.m. at Weta Workshop is something that no one should have to see. See, this is what I mean. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, but what I mean is like, obviously he's writing this from a, from a very sort of a personal place of witnessing the sorts of inequalities. Look at his first movie, man. His first yeah, movie is about yeah. fucking apartheid. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, we, we don't have access to that kind exactly. of generational trauma. Exactly. Yeah. So the fact that he's writing about something that is is genuinely, genuinely near and dear to his heart, he's obviously witnessed stuff that we could we could barely imagine mm. without seeing a yeah, film yeah. like this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's all right us saying, you know, well, you know, it's very generic. It's yeah, obviously rich people are bad and you know, poor people are poor. Mm-hmm. But we live in a country where we've got free healthcare. Mm-hmm. Where if you if you wake up tomorrow and you're ill, yeah, there's a GP that you can wait nine days to get an appointment with, mm-hmm. or there's an ambulance that is only seventeen hours away. Do you know what I mean? Our health, <laughs> our health system's <laughs> fucked at the minute. Like it's free, it's free, but it's it's like yeah, it's yeah. not Prime yet. Like Amazon Prime no. gets to me quicker than an ambulance at the moment. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd be better off ordering a first aid kit on Prime. <laughs> you are literally order order a bandage on Amazon Prime. It will get to you quicker than a paramedic. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, it's free health if we wake up tomorrow there's a there's options for us to go and get treated there's options for us to think and it's very 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 cheap even if we pay full price for the medications mm-hmm. very 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 cheap i once knew a person right uh, in america who when i met for the first time uh this person had a a scar right. on their head and i mean I, I don't just mean sort of like a little scar i mean like stretching from forehead round to back oh wow like full avatar villain vibes like like yeah one of those ones where it's like 
Should we just talk about it? Because I'm not going to be able to not look at that. I'm like, not in a rude way. I'm just very, very curious. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to be looking at it, but I feel like. That is an Austin Powers mole of a scar. Yes, it's the <laughs> Austin Powers mole. Can, can I just ask you about it just to get it out in the open? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, of course, man. So what happened is um, when I was younger, I was in a horrific car crash, knocked unconscious, head split in two, bleeding out. And I was sitting there like, holy shit, man. Like, yeah. what happened? And he was like, well, I'm still paying off the bills now for the Jesus for the treatment. And I was like, what do you mean? So because this man was in a car crash. Yeah. Head split open. Yes. Bleeding out left, right and center. Yeah. There is no physical way that this man would have been able to make a phone call to pre-approve no. a ride to the hospital in an ambulance. But because that didn't happen, oh, the insurance shit. company didn't cover him. Because he didn't oh, pre-approve any of the treatment that came after it. The life-saving, like, very necessary treatment that he was unable to make a phone call about beforehand. Yeah. Because he couldn't do that. The insurance were like, well, fuck you then. We'll cover a bit. But the rest is on you. Yeah. Awful. So he's still paying that after this day. Shocking. Fundamentally awful. And me and you don't have, me and you don't have those as no, reference points. No, we don't. We're we don't very lucky that. for that. Blomkamp does. Yeah. And we're very lucky for that. So we, that needs to be... So I also think as well that Blomkamp, we both love his world building. Yeah. We love the amount of detail that he puts into these grandiose universes that he builds. 100%. The thing that really fucking sells me on this film is that he he doesn't just build a world. Mm. He builds a universe with right. universal laws and universal truths that apply to anyone and everyone that exists in his universes. Yes. And it doesn't matter whether you're the wealthiest of the wealthy living on mm. Elysium or you're the poorest of the poor living in downtown LA in 2051, the rules of the universe, of this universe, apply to you. Now, <laughs> for me, yeah, I can put myself in that universe yeah, and witness these characters live out, live out their decisions and make their choices which are governed by this universe and I can put myself in that position and apply those laws to myself and I can see the logic in these decisions, right? Mm -hmm. But that is based off my past experiences that I've experienced myself in my real life. Yeah, it, it feels a lot like you've done 50% of his work for him. And yes. It's just I didn't have the experiences to feed into it. We're only on his second film, but I like to think mm -hmm. of Neil Blomkamp's movies so far to this point as um, almost like a paint-by-numbers Right. Whereas I've come to this film with all of the number twos coloured in. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I've, yeah. I've spent my entire life colouring in every number two that I could find on this mm -hmm. picture. All of my experiences and my mistakes and my fuck-ups and anything that's yeah. going to relate me to Max as a character, it's already been coloured in. You so when I've come to this film, yeah. this is what I mean. So by the time I get to this film, my picture's completed a lot quicker than yours yeah. and it takes a lot less for me to fill in my paint-by-numbers. But whereas you... Yeah being famously colorblind, um, <laughs> have been coloring in the wrong color <laughs> on number two for the yeah. last few years. But that's not a bad thing. What it is, no. is that you're painting a different picture because your experiences and your yourself has been coloring in different numbers. And if, if you're not getting the, the full mm. sort of spectrum of color that you need to get something out of this film, that's completely fine. I just feel like going to the cinema and being expected to do that much of the work for the director is a bit like hiring a prostitute to wank in front of her, you know? Like, I'm doing it all. Yeah, I see your point. 
<laughs> like, okay, let's look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. <laughs> God, I felt so profound in that moment. I was like, you know what? I'm really on summit here. I get to drop yeah. a colorblind joke. I'm making some past experience references, and you knock it out of the park with a wanking at a prostitute joke. I just want you to know how how deep that cut. Right? <laughs> it's almost like I put all of the work into my thing, and you've just rocked up and gone pull that. <laughs> it's like I was Neil Blomkamp in this thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what you've done is you've rocked up and just wanked all over my film and gone, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I feel like I've got to say, I love everything about, I deeply love everything about this film, mm. except the plot and characters. That, and that's fine. That's completely fine. The world design is incredible. Oh, the CGI, dude. the gore effects. Fucking believable. The gore. Holy shit, man. I forgot how brutal this film is. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. That exoskeleton install scene where they're just drilling into his skeleton through his skin. Mate. And putting they, like threaded bolts into his collarbone. They put a fucking like frayed computer chip that looks like an old Atari accessory yeah. just into his brain mush. Yeah. Horrendous. It's incredible. Then you've got Chateau Copley getting his fucking face blown to bits by a grenade. And <laughs> when I say blown to bits, I mean, it's not one of those things where it's like a flash in the pan thing. You see no, no. this, you see Flaps the torque. Yeah. Yeah. You see the torque of the grenade, like <laughs> yeah. rip his fucking skull apart. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is literally like vomit inducing. It's incredible. But then the it best fucking scene in this, mate, the best bit of gore. Mm-hmm. In this entire fucking film is when Charlotte Copley, when Kruger mm. has his face blown off. It's great. But it's the reconstruction of his face that is like old yeah. school fucking stop motion plasticine evil dead one type practical yes. effects. Fucking incredible. Yes. Incredible. It is, but when he pulled out the samurai sword, I did literally think like I was like, is he gonna pull out a fucking fedora and a leather duster in a minute and be like how I studied the blade? <laughs> How fucking dare you for a start? (laughs) (laughs) Can we play a game? You make me want to settle down, baby. Um, (laughs) How could you think that about the samurai sword, man? Dude, the samurai sword makes him so fucking sinister in my book. Like, to me, it just filled me with with such an uncomfortable, like, oh, God. You're in an an exoskeleton suit. You've been funded by Elysium's elite military budget so you could take any fucking weapon mm. any of these weapons that can shoot through walls and like deteriorate human bodies which we also see fantastic scene you have those at your disposal but what no 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 what you choose is you choose a fucking samurai sword because you want to be up close and intimate with the people that you're fucking brutally murdering that is some sinister sinister yeah. shit that is like running through his head. It just made me think he was working for the uh, Elysium intelligence community. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Central Intelligence Agency, yeah. the Elysium CIA. That's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. But fucking Chateau Copley, mate. Too He's fucking incredible. Good. Too fucking good. Just quickly before, I've got a game for us, mate. Right. Um, it's been donated to us by a listener. But just Ooh. quickly before we get into that, you've mentioned about this thing about a friend date and X, Y, and Z, and it's been bothering me a little bit. Right. Right. Do you know why it's bothering you? Yes. Because we both watched the same film. Yes. We both think it's a different thing. And the reason we don't know is because the guy who made the film didn't give us enough information to answer the question properly. Okay. Hence my problem with it. Except for hear me out. Right. Except for hear me out. 
there are moments in the film where if it was a romantic love, yes, there would have been different avenues taken. And it makes I mean, me think... Maybe. It makes me think that it's based on... It's more of like a sibling thing. It's more of like a, a, yeah. more like a, a family love. A mi familia. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So look at films like... The reason I love Rogue One so much is because that right. that film was teetering, and it on, stays back from it. And it does the friendship it thing. Could have been yep. romantic, and it could have been friendship. But the fact that they stuck to the friendship yep. thing makes me respect Which it more. Which also like, stars Diego Luna, who is crime friend in this film, and Cassian Andor in Rogue One. Oh my god, it does! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy, yeah, I yeah. knew that. Yeah, dude, this is what he's I'm like. If Pedro say. Pascal was in Train Spotting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Peglo if Pe- if Pe- Pe- if Pedlo if Pedlo Pascal. I said Peglo. I was trying I was thinking in my brain don't say Peg. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I want to see Pedlo Pascal. It's just a boat squad Because we didn't get any Sean Swannery video uh, images. Not yet. If anyone wants to do Pedlo Pascal, by all means. Can someone send us someone who's good on Photoshop? Send us some fucking What is it? Swan Connery, Sean, Sean Swannery. Swannery, Sean, Sean Swannery. Swannery, and Pedalo Pascal. And Pedalo Pascal. They could both they be in the those. same shot on a boating lake. Oh my shit! The, the, we're building. This is see. We're building a Blomkamp world right now. Yeah. The detail is going to be insane. <laughs> we legitimately don't have time mm. for both a game and comment corner. What do you want to do? Oh, uh, we, we can do it. We can. I'll, right, I'll make ready? the game quick. I'll make the game quick. Right. The game right. is called. Thesaurus. Donated to us by, again, by Adam Sykes. This guy's a fucking game machine, man. So the idea is I've taken film titles, right, and I've run them through a thesaurus Mm -hmm. so they're just scrambled. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you an example, right? Star Wars. Yeah. Run through a thesaurus would be Solar Mass Combats. I'm going to give you the thesaurus <laughs> version. You have to try okay. and guess what the original version is. Ready? Yep. Decease unyielding. Um, uh, uh, die hard. It is. Die- yes. <laughs> it is die hard. Good shit. Uh, okay. Self-reliance. Dawn to dark. Uh, self-reliance. Independent. Dawn to dark. Mm-hmm. Independent? No, wait. Self-reliance would be in- Independence Day. It is Independence Day. Yeah. Right? That's fucking clever. All right, you're not going to get this one, though. <laughs> okay. You ready for this one? Okay. Boulevard Abode. Street Home. Boulevard Abode. Something home. Is it home, though? Mm, okay, Abode. House. Street House. Oh, um, th- come on. Uh, Think about street, it. Think about it. You street, had one word street right. House, street no. house. Roadhouse. No. Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> what, you mean it's not that incredibly famous film, Street House? Yeah, you know, that famous film. All right, all right. <laughs> we, we, can, we, we can come back to this game because I love it. Yeah, we're going to do it again. It's great. Let's get on to Comment Corner real quick. Have you got one? Yes, I have got one ready to go. Um... So, over on TikTok, uh, we posted about District 9 being originally a licensed Halo movie, and they had to, uh, sort of late in the day, cancel it off because Microsoft and Fox and all the studios got into big fights about ownership and IP. Yeah. Um, 
And someone, uh, 007 Robocop 856, which I feel like is an unholy Fantastic bestiality game. of franchises there. Although Robocop would make a good 007. He would make a good 007. <laughs> I also feel like the dad won the naming rights on that birth certificate. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. <laughs> What's your son's name? Robocop 007. Are you sure this isn't like Elon Musk's fifth kid? Ooh. <laughs> uh, so 007 Robocop 856 said uh, about District 9 being a Halo movie. Uh, then they decided to make a show and it's horrible. No joke. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And I included that one because I remember you texting me once going, no, I agree. This Halo show is really good. And then about three yeah. days later, you were like, it's awful. Yeah. I invested yeah. so much time into that fucking show. The first couple <laughs> episodes, I was like, this could be something fucking mega. And then at the end of it, I was like, this was literally <laughs> fucking nothing. I've wasted like three days of my entire fucking life. Yep. All right. I've got one here from Lee C99. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has commented on one of our District 9 reels on Instagram. Yep. I listened to this episode today and I love this movie. It makes sense that this was supposed to be the Halo movie. The cars, the aliens, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Please keep up the good work, chaps. I might be across the pond, but I love you too. Well, Lee, we fucking love you too. Thank you so much for we that. We do. It means the world. Really fucking does. That was Comment Corner. And if you want to... Oh, wait, I've got... Okay, I'm going to jam it in anyway. We've got like two minutes left. Jam me. I've got uh, homework for everybody. I need help. I work with a lovely lady called Anne. She doesn't watch very many films. Uh, she's originally from the Philippines. And therefore, when we talk, sometimes her cultural references are not my cultural references. But she watched a film. Me and the other chefs, we always talk about what we've watched. And Anne never has anything to put in because she never watches films. And then the other day, she's like, I watched a film the other day. And I was like, great. Okay. What was it? And she's like, ah. Uh, and I swear to God, I think she might have just made up a film so that she could feel included. But Aww. I need to do my due diligence. Yeah. So she thinks the film is called Stop That Right Now. <laughs> okay. I'm buying into it. I guarantee you there's not a film called Stop That Right Now. I'm getting and it's about right now. it's about a crime man yeah. who wants to not be a crime man anymore. Yeah. But his crime boss tells him that that's not the crime life, that you don't get to leave the crime life. And that they have to do a crime in Rotterdam. And he is Irish or maybe Scottish. So if any listeners in know Bruges. of a film... No, it's not in Bruges. You sure? Because I showed in Bruges. She was like, it's not that. Oh, okay. And there's a scene where his dad turns up at the door. They think there's a man outside the house. And he comes back and it's his it's, it's strange dad. So if anyone can help me listening with what the film famously called... Stop that right now. <laughs> I've just Googled stop that right now and Spy Kids 2001 has come up. <laughs> I mean, it might be that. Uh, please do let us know. Uh, that's literally all the time we have for this week. Join us next week when we will be returning to the franchise close of National Treasure. It's God. been a long old road of one episode <laughs> and, and the second one coming next week when yeah. we will finally close the chapter on this long-running series of the National Treasure franchise. Thank fuck. I mean, it's been two <laughs> weeks, but fuck me, man. I feel like I've watched that film since that as well. Like, I have to... I, I still oh try to understand God. the logic behind it. I can't. I'm struggling. Uh. <laughs> we'll get into it next week, though, when we do that. Guys, thank you so fucking much for hanging out with us. The support recently is mental. You are absolute legends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to help out the show... Each and every one of you. 
go jump on the socials, tell a friend about us. Telling a friend about us seems to work the best, man. It really does. Because, guess, we're in all 50 states now, by the way. Are we? Do you remember a little while ago? Including North Dakota. And North and South Dakota. Do you remember Yush! it was just the Dakotas yeah. that we were missing? Someone's gone and fucking told someone to listen to us. Bucky, so there you go, yes, man. It's, thank you. Thank you so much. Huge, Smashed powerful it. mouths. Huge mouths. Uh, Join us next week. In the meantime, I'm going to just cosplay as society and do what society always does and tell you to consume. So this week's advice is going to be in reference to the meerkat and the hippo. I think it's a very simple story, but it's a very fucking important one where we can all be the meerkat and we can all be the hippo, but it's learning to strike a balance between them. Do you know what I mean? I don't know why it hit me so hard. It really does. Also, if you're a hippo and you're hungry, eat marbles. (laughs) 